0: Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry. Namely, the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Furminger, and today I am so excited. And a little bit terrified to welcome filmmaker Courtney Page and actress Caitlin Bernard to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Okay, here comes the thesis statement. You ready? Mm -hmm. Pride and greed, lust and envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloth. Those are all sins. The the cardinal sins, the capital sins, the seven deadly sins, and they're also the very not. Sinful foundation stones for the sinners a terrifying and dare I say exciting thriller I'm gonna dare to say it because it is so fucking exciting Uh, Oh, and you can swear on my podcast. Um, Anyway, the sinners that hit VOD on February 19th The sinners follow seven young girls from a religious high school who decide to rebel by starting a cult in which they embody the seven deadly sins Caitlin plays Grace Carver, the pastor's daughter and the most popular girl in school who discovers her friend Aubrey is about to air out all of their dirty little secrets. Action must be taken. And that action leads to kidnapping and murder and something possibly worse than death. And that's all I'm gonna say about it. The Sinners was co-written by Courtney, Aaron Hazelhurst, Hurst, and Madison Smith, and also features the acting talents of brenna Coates, Ben Owellen, Kelani Elizabeth Rose, Jasmine Randawa, Carly Fawcett, Natalie Malaika, and some veterans of the Vancouver film and TV scene, like Alex Ponovic, who I swear comes up in almost every single episode of this podcast. One of my dearest friends, Laura Walsh, Lachlan Monroe, Michael Eklund, Dylan Playfair, Alicia Rotaru, Brendan Taylor, and, as the pastor, Tom Paniket. I freaking love The Sinners for a lot of reasons. It's stylistic, it's genuinely scary, and it raises questions about faith and bullying and the role that religion can play in affecting the psyches of developing young women. But I also love how it's something of a throwback to films that I loved growing up in the 90s and early aughts, films like Cruel Intentions and Heathers, films that explore the concept of nice and how the idea of nice can hold women back from asserting themselves. So today, we are going to talk about all of it. We are going to talk about the sinners and their sins. Courtney Page, Caitlin Bernard, welcome to the Y Bear Screen Scene Podcast.
1: Hi, Sabrina. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. I am,
0: I am so, so excited to see you both today, um, especially you, Caitlin, just knowing that you're okay after what I saw <laughs> just a few hours ago on screen. Um, but I'd love to start with you, Courtney, because you know all of this, this deliciousness came from your brain. Uh, so I'd love to talk about the, um, the inspiration for this film? Where did you derive your inspiration for this film? And what, what was it about this idea that made it be like, you like, this is the one that I want to put on screen?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, As you said, I was super inspired by 90s cult classics that we so love, such as Jawbreaker, Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, I've been a cheerleader, so watching those films really inspired me to want to tell those types of stories. I think, you know, I thought of the idea seven years ago. So it's something that's always kind of been on the back burner. And it wasn't just my brain. Our lovely co-writers, as you said, Aaron Hazel. Erin and
0: Madison, yeah. And
1: Madison, yeah. Um, we're wonderful to work with. And between the three of us, we wanted to create a really unique and diverse story that shined a light on some taboo topics such as religion and LGBT. And I think Caitlin and Brenna did such an incredible job. Um, there's two Brennas, actually. So Brenna yeah. Coates who plays Tori and Caitlin, our little star actress who absolutely killed it, who plays Grace, um, really brought out, you know, the the stylized love story of the two girls versus focusing on the sexuality, which I think is so important. And one of the underlying themes of the film is love. And I think that really shines through in all the characters and how beautifully our incredible Vancouver cast just dove deep into the depths of these characters and brought them all to life. And as you said, some of the biggest veterans out of Vancouver came on the project. So we're so grateful to have such a wonderful cast. And um, yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yes.
0: But you know what I find, like watching your film, you know, and then, you know, I mean, I was a teenager in the 90s, like watching, you know, all of those films back then, like your film feels very much like an homage and not like just the, oh, and like this is a film that's just like that, you know? I think because of the ways that the characters were honored the archetypes, but, but weren't just archetypes, you know? Like it, every role was really lifted beyond, like did you, when you, were, when you were writing it, was that something you were thinking about, you know, was the, the depth of the characters and, and how you would differ, differentiate your film from all of those awesome films that had come before?
1: Yeah, you know, we see these characters who are those archetypes who are so often just, you know, the bitchy mean girl and oops, we killed our friend, like let's cover it up. And we wanted to go deeper than that. And, you know, as I said, always reverting back to the love and how can we relate to these characters and why do we care about them? I think was a huge question. Like how can we make Grace as likable as possible so that when this good girl does all these bad things, why do we care and why are we rooting for her? So I think that's always what reverted back to is how can we bring out the love how can we bring out you know the empathy and the grace and all of these like idiosyncrasies and relatabilities that we so love to watch these characters on screen
0: yeah i will say though when the film was ending i wasn't thinking about love i was thinking about the sins i was thinking about the incredible um high stakes world, you know, th- that you created for these characters and what you put them through you as the world maker. Uh, Caitlin, tell, tell me about what, what attracted you to this role, you know, in, in the first place. I mean, you're a very busy person. You, you have, you know, a really impressive filmography. Like, what was it about this role and this project that made you be like, I really, I really want to, I want I want to play Tom O'Pennicott's daughter? And Loretta Walsh's daughter. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I think it was a combination of things that you guys already touched on. I think um, I, yeah, I grew up watching those films like Heather, Jawbreaker. Um, and yeah, I just, I really loved that it had that vibe to it. Um, I also loved that you didn't just see The Mean Girl for who, The Mean Girl, you know? You actually mm. did, um, like Courtney said, dig deeper into that and you got to see what her internal struggles were um, in dealing with um, a lot of teenage emotions and rebellion and especially in her case struggling with her sexuality, um, growing up in a really religious town and how that affects all of that I think there's just a combination of things that um, yeah really made grace such an interesting character to play because her arc is so goes so crazy throughout the film so um, yeah
0: yeah that's that is a great answer. I do ha- I do have to ask you Courtney, were you like, was it intentional that the film had a timeless almost kind of feel to it? Because I was as I was watching it, I'm like, I'm not even sure when this takes place, you know, like, because it was so very style, like, just everybody's like, their, their costumes, and you know, the, the technology or, you know, like, it, or the lack thereof, in some ways, you know, it was,
1: was that intentional? Yeah, I'm glad you noticed. It actually was very much intentional. I'm not a huge fan of social media and cell phones in movies. I love the Mm. 90s. Um, You know, with the parameters we were allowed to play in with our budget constraints, we did what we could. And I think my sister Madison Moore, who did an incredible job with the costume design, actually pulled from a lot of thrift stores and was able to create looks on the girls that were super iconic, where it's like, could this be the 90s? Is this a weird town? Like, we're not so sure. In fact, in in the film you'll notice that it doesn't actually specify where they live it could Mm -hmm. be Oregon. it could be Canada so it was very vague and we made sure to do that and also not single out any one religion so we're not like these these girls are Catholic or Christian or Jehovah's Witnesses we wanted to leave it up to the audience's interpretation for more relatability and also to just not offend anybody
0: yeah. No, you, it, if anything, it made it feel even more creepier, like just the fact that it could t- have taken place anywhere and in any time. Um, okay. I want to, I want to talk a bit about uh, the experience, the joys and challenges of actually, you know, making this film. Like tell me like when you filmed and, you know, for you specifically, Caitlin, like what that, with the process, with that experience of, you know, inhabiting that character was like because i can i can assume with a film like with a film like this you know it could be i mean you are you're going through some stuff through almost every scene you know so that's like super intense and you're vulnerable but also it looks like a lot of fun too (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: you know it's uh it's funny I've done so many uh thrillers and horrors um over my career and before doing the color rose and I think um I'm not a huge horror fan myself I hate being scared I'm a scaredy cat um so but I love being in them because of that emotional depth and that physical how physically demanding the roles in those types of films are um and I think like yeah like definitely they're super long days um we had a tight shooting schedule and so we were filming stuff back to back and there wasn't a lot of time to kind of decompress um but I I love being on set I love um like I said playing those roles um but I think one thing that made that experience so so amazing was um having Courtney there to kind of be there and be my biggest cheerleader, you know, throughout all of that, Um, and because Courtney has an acting background, that made all of the difference, because she was able to communicate with me um, in a way that I really understood. Um, We have a a similar background in um, training, Mm -hmm. so um, when it got to, like, the last scene of the day, and I'm just so drained emotionally, physically, um, she was able to really connect with me and really figure out, okay, what can, can I be doing better? What can I be improving on in this scene? Um, because it gets to a point when you're acting where you don't have any gauge. You don't really know, um, whether or not, yeah, you're putting out your best performance because you're so emotionally and physically, um, tired. So yeah, I think that that definitely made all of the difference. And our cast was amazing. We all kind of bonded through that experience. Because when you do have really, really long days on set, inevitably, you get closer. Um, and yeah, you create almost like this little family. So
0: it's, it's just, it's creepy to think about, though. Maybe not creepy is not the right word, but disturbing, maybe that, you know, you guys are all playing embodiments of this the seven deadly sins on mm-hmm. screen and then you're all just hanging out after like we're <laughs> like <laughs> I like, just thinking about like you know you're like looking into each other's eyes and be like are you really pride are you really you know I don't know it's just maybe that's just me and my friend group um so w- this was all shot in in the
1: Vancouver area or where was this where was this filmed this was actually shot in my hometown which is Kelowna BC so we were okay. have such a you know wildly supportive film community where every single location we wanted we got and everybody was so supportive so it was a really interesting experience to go back to my hometown and make our first feature there
0: wow Incredible. and i think the girls
1: loved it too because in their off time you know there's a lake and hikes and beautiful wineries so everybody felt like okay we're working but then we're also low-key on this sort of vacation yeah yeah and I think that that really brought us closer too
2: because we were all staying around the same area because we didn't know anyone in Kelowna. so we all like yeah, on our days off or on weekends, we would all get together and go do some fun stuff, so
0: yeah, I find it you know one one of the things too when i when I watched this film is that i I didn't feel like i mean yes, it was very stylistic, and there were parts that were like really um sexy and, um, thrilling and, uh, but I feel, I felt like I was watching it all the time though, through like a female gaze, you know, and I, which is rather different than the movies, many of the movies that I watched in the nineties, you know, which were more from a, from like a male perspective, which was more exploitative in a lot of ways, you know, like this, this one, even the sexy parts didn't feel, exploitative at all. Was that something that, you know, for you, Courtney, that you was, you know, in your mind, especially given the fact that, you know, for the longest time, uh, women were more objects in the horror realm, both in front of and behind the camera than now where we have like a, you know, it's kind of a really exciting time for, for women in horror.
1: Well, I think the characters and the actors sort of speak for themselves, you know? Um, Caitlin and Breno were so great in finding, you know, truths about their characters that were very subtle, that came from a real place, that were non-exploitive, that were very much so, again, about the love. And these characters care about each other. And so when you're coming from that place, I think it kind of just, like, shines through in itself. I mean, I honestly have huge praise to the actors for that because they're the ones that brought out those performances and that's why you're feeling that it's just good performers. Um, You could have taken the same words and given them to an actor who is very much, you know, narcissistic and cares so much about what they look like and they could have played it a total different way but the groundedness of all the Vancouver actors who played these roles was just, they were so realistic. And, you know, I think also Erin and I being both female had written the characters in such a way that were non-exploitive, that they said things that were meaningful, you know, that they weren't just running around like with their boobs out talking about things that most horror movies do. And nobody really wants to watch that fluff at the end of the day. We want to get to, you know, the heart of everything. So um, kudos to the actors for really bringing the words to life, and I'm glad that you recognize that, so thank you.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, even though we're talking about um we're talking about some like pretty deep things and some this film is still so much fun like i, I don't want i don't want to it just be like okay i'm gonna sit down and watch a horror film that is you know um i'm gonna have all of like these big feelings and i'm gonna be th- writing philosophy papers for days <laughs> after about you know but it's and i mean yes it's empathetic gaze and everything but it's still yeah a there's very two- fun surprising movie like i can't i can't reiterate that enough like this it's film contains multitudes for sure. Um, okay, so I want to hear though, for each of you, like one of like either your the most fun, or most challenging, or let's say the most memorable moment from, from making this film, from the process of, of making it and also showing it to people.
1: I think two moments. One, the moment when the girls all arrived, um, I had them meet at the mall and told them to all go around and bond and shop and take photos, go in the photo booths, and just see girls like or- original first interaction. I could tell like we picked the perfect squad or click because they all just clicked right away and they had such organic chemistry and they're still friends to this day. So like watching that first interaction and taking photos of the girls and then we all went back and had champagne and did a table read, it was just such a fun day and a nice welcome for the entire cast. And then the second moment was actually, I think day two of filming where they had to film that Vanity Fair type march down the hallway, slow motion iconic Mm -hmm. scene and i'm a little bit of a perfectionist as i said i grew up on a cheerleading squad so everything is very much five six seven eight and we did it so many times and the crew was just like okay courtney like how many takes are we gonna do with this and i went back and pulled the girls aside and said you know be really honest do you guys want to have a lot of fun making this movie for 18 days or do you guys want me to push you as far as you'll allow of course like speak up about your boundaries but do you want me to push you and do you want to sit in a festival and watch yourself on the big screen and be really proud of what we accomplished and all of them across the board instantly were like push us let's go deep let's let's be really proud of ourselves and just seeing not only how well these girls connected but how brave they were and how Mm -hmm. open they were and they trusted me and it was my first feature, like honestly could bring me to tears and I'm so grateful for that trust in those relationships
0: That's a good answer. (laughs) That's
2: a tough one to follow, eh, Caitlin? (laughs) No kidding. Um, Well, honestly, I have to say probably one of my most memorable experiences from set was working with you, Courtney. Um, Courtney is one of the hardest working people I know, personally, when she says she's going to do something, she does it, um, and she gets it done. And she's just such a powerhouse of a director. And just so, so supportive. And I think she's going to inspire a lot of young women to take on the director role um, and be behind the camera. And it just, it's, it's so inspiring to watch and see and be around. Um, and yeah, the mall day was a lot of fun. I loved that we did that for the first day and got to bond and um, meet each other because we had never, I, I knew not, none of the girls going into it, um, which is kind of strange because Vancouver's relatively small and you kind of know at least the people that are in your age category Um, but yeah I didn't know any of the girls and we just clicked right away and we yeah there's there's lots of so many there's so many fun experiences that come up too like on our days off um, when we were all just hanging out and just building those relationships and I think that's why they come across as being so organic on screen is because we did have that um, that bond from the beginning.
0: I miss mall days. I mean, I miss being, I miss, I mean, we're in the pandemic. I just miss going to the mall, but you know, being a, being a teenager and, and going to a mall, right? Like it's, there's, there's nothing quite like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to also let's let's talk about the, all of those those actors that you brought in from the from the vet you know the veteran like the Alex friend of the podcast Alex Ponovic, uh, yeah. Michael Eklund, Lachlan Monroe Brendan Taylor Loretta Walsh Tomo like you you had some you know why was it why was it important to to have you know those actors on on set and what kind of energy did having them in scenes, and I mean, honestly, although some of my favorite scenes are just them all interacting together, right? Like what were the, what, what did they bring to the, to the film set?
1: You know, Alex Ponovic quickly signed on as an executive producer. He was really a big fan of the script and supporting females, and he's such a champion for, you know, new filmmakers and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry. And Alex was so supportive. He read the script, gave notes, came to table reads. He actually suggested Tom will play the role of the pastor. He said, Tomo is phenomenal. His cadence is going to be perfect in this role. And I said, yes. So we actually offered the role to Tomo, and he was so willing to come out. And it was actually great timing for him. I think he was with his family going to be in the Okanagan at the same time. So it worked out perfectly. And, you know, we had auditions for Loretta's role. And Loretta had coached me in prior years of acting. I started as an actor. And, you know, I knew she would absolutely kill this role, but we had seen some other really heavy hitters and Vancouver women who were incredible. But when Loretta came in to audition, she literally brought all of the producers to tears. Her performance broke our hearts. She was crying, we were crying, and it was just so obvious that she would be perfect in the role. Alex said, now don't get too excited, but I might be able to get Lachlan Monroe on board. And I was like, what? No, not for my first feature. Like that'd be- Can we also
0: say like Lachlan was in, like Lachlan has worked in the horror sphere before, right? So he's also like, he's like an icon, you know? And also, I mean, he had this like delicious role as well on Riverdale, right? Yeah. Uh, So it's like, it was so, it's like he looked so well at home. Yeah. in that, in your film. He's I love perfect.
1: that. I wish we had a, could have had those guys in more. Some were saying, like, you need to do just a movie, like, about the detectives and the sheriffs, because they had such an interesting storyline that we A made. prequel,
0: a prequel, you, you know, know but what happened was, with the sheriff, with the sheriff, you know? Yeah. Where he came from.
1: And then we had, you know, Michael Eklund, we had wrote the role for him, because we wanted him in the the feature so badly and he was so willing to come out as well so all of them were just super supportive and like showed up on set and they were such pros and it was interesting directing them I think the only thing I said to Michael was like he had a sucker in the one scene. And I said, Michael, if you're real, if you're going to have that sucker, like then really suck it. So <laughs> it was kind of funny, the whole room like burst out laughing. I didn't mean to say <laughs> anything. I was like, wow, here we go. Hashtag me too. And I didn't mean that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they all laughed. We laughed. We had a great time. Honestly, they just came out and it was like a giant sandbox. Like we were all just Playing with choices and trying things, and they got really creative and were improvising, and they kept coming up with all these little like nicknames for Taylor St. Pierre's character, who is the deputy, and they'd call him something new in every scene, like David Hasselhoff and Pikachu, and we were just yeah. howling And so, yeah, Alex brought this sense of like fun. Like every day Alex was on set, it wasn't so serious. It was kind of just like, are we shooting a comedy now? <laughs> so we're so grateful for him and all the guys and Loretta and everybody coming out it was it it meant a lot and honestly um tomo i feel should have won a leo for his performance i mean kudos to everybody who was nominated and those who did win but we felt you know his performance in the pastor was one of the most interesting things that i've ever seen like his choices were incredible the dinner scene in the film is probably my favorite scene of all Anyways, and was blabbing, I could talk
0: about them for We're a hour. podcast. You're you're supposed to blab. It's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah, I'm I'm curious for you, Caitlin. Like, what you know? I like to think that everything that we do leaves its imprint on us somehow. And so, how do you think this this film uh, has imprinted on you, or or what have you? What did you learn from the experience of you know being grace in this film?
2: It's a really good question. Um, I think a combination of things, um, obviously like making connections from set and being able to take those on um, and knowing more people in Vancouver who are extremely, extremely talented. Um, but in addition to that, I think just having that, um, playing a character where there's again, so much to her, so much depth, um, so much strength and resilience Really did leave an imprint on me, um, and I just I, I also love the message that the film. There's so many messages, but um, in regards to bullying and um, bystanders and all of that, um, I think that there's yeah there's so many so many messages that young teenage girls can benefit from from watching this film, um, and I think that a lot of people are going to be affected once they watch it because. Um, yeah, there's just so, so much to it. So um, I would say, yeah, a combination of things. I'm not sure if that answered your question. Absolutely. Absolutely. It
0: did. I don't have set answers. I'm not like checking, checking off. Okay. She said, she said what I had written down that I wanted her to say. No, it's, fa- it's so fascinating. Uh, what about for, for you, Courtney? You know, I mean, this, this, as you say, was the feature film directorial debut, you know, like what, what did you learn making the sinners and what, does it tell us about the kind of projects you're going to be making in the future? Cause like I, frankly, I'm telling you, I want all of them. Just put them all on my face.
1: <laughs> Great question. Um, you know, I think I learned to have a lot of empathy and compassion and go a little bit slower. I think everyone has a different process and it's interesting to learn how, you know, we're all actors and being an actor myself, everybody works so differently. And, um, Caitlin honestly taught me so much out of the entire cast. I think her and I kind of had the strongest bond. We went through ups and downs and some days were very challenging, but by the end of it, we found such a common ground that was so beautiful. And I learned that, you know, when you're working with actors, especially some who we didn't realize Caitlin was so young at the time. How old were you, 18?
2: Yeah,
1: Yeah. she was 18, but I was kind of directing her like she was like a 25, 26-year-old and I mm. was very hard on her. And so she, she was a champion. And then there was one point where as the scenes became more emotionally demanding and challenging and it got colder in the woods and the days were longer, we just, we kind of had this powwow and had a boundaries discussion of, you know, okay, this is what I'm comfortable doing and this is what I'm kind of not comfortable doing. And it was just such a nice realization that as moving into my next um, movie and further along in my career, I think that's something that I want to sit down with actors ahead of time and really say, okay, like what's your acting process? Um, You know, how can I best help you in this role? And what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with in the script? And let's get really specific. So it was really nice to learn that. And I thank her so much. And she's just taught me so much about grace and patience. And also what I took from that, being an actor myself was like, wow, I am allowed to have a lot more control than I thought I did. Mm. Um, as an actor, I kind of was always sort of a puppet and I would just stick to the script and do whatever people said. Mm. I remember on one of my first features as a supporting lead in a role, I was like running barefoot foot through the mud in a skirt and did all these things I felt kind of icky about. But then after working with Caitlin, I was like, I should have just simply said to the director, like, hey, can we do this and that instead? But um, you know, no regrets. Like life is about learning and growing, so I have her to thank for that, and that's something I think I'll carry through for my entire career. But um, yeah, I think you had some other questions in there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm. What? You're making me start to cry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know you made me tear up yesterday when I saw your post, and it it was like sending your child off to their first day of school. When I saw you post, like day one press day for the sinners and I started crying and I looked to my friend and I said I'm so proud of her like she is such a rock star performer and a powerhouse and you know the way that she carries herself is just so graceful that she literally was grace it was interesting Um, okay
0: this is getting very beautiful and emotional (laughs) and I had no idea it was going to to go to this place I, I i The other part of my question was about, you know, the films that we'll be seeing from you in the future. Like, you know, tell me, what is a Courtney Page film?
1: I love stories that are based on truth. I love to talk about taboo, meaningful topics, you know, anything that's like a meaningful subject matter. I have a few that I want to dive into about, you know, domestic and sexual abuse. Um, One that's about bullying and our last film, which was about losing my ex in some sort of true life events on that i think i love my last so i just directed my second feature and i very much so realized that i want to continue shining a light on females and i'd love to like tell female driven stories you know but some that are gritty and truthful and raw and you know festival worthy but also commercially viable and living in a place where you know, they have this sort of like Tarantino-ish feel to them. I think women are amazing, but a lot of them get trapped in this Hallmark area where they're doing dramas and Christmas movies. And it's it's time for females to really use their voices and talk about things that matter.
0: Yeah, and in the in the horror realm, like is like is are the future films that we're going to be seeing told in this genre, or do you leave yourself open to to tell, you know, to explore these topics cross genre?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say The Sinners is a horror film. I would more place it in like a murder mystery thriller um, mm. where I love and would love to dabble and, you know, live in for a while are psychological thrillers. I love films that have twists. Like I love Mystic River, The Dark Knight, Joker, Batman, like eventually would love to be doing studio films. So definitely wouldn't say horror, more so like dramas with thriller elements or you know things with suspense, but have like meaning. Yes.
0: Yeah. You have, like there are people who, and I'm so excited that you're here today because I know that that there are so many people who are hungry for this content and hungry For your content. Um, (laughs) So, okay, so so the Sinners is, it's on VOD as of February 19th. So is there, is there anywhere that people should, like, do you, do you recommend one VOD platform over the other or like, it's just on all of them and they can just search for it?
1: They can do Apple, iTunes, Amazon. Um, we're going to see what happens with it. We have some secret exciting things coming up that we have to keep under wraps, but mm. can take more definitely this summer. Um, but yeah, it releases February 19th, which is interesting because – Jawbreaker released February 19th in 1999. So it's so iconic that our distributor who's brainstormed, Michelle Swartzen, actually is our distributor. She's phenomenal. She's put so much TLC into the film. I have to ask her, I'm not sure if she's even aware, but she chose the exact same release date as Jawbreaker. So um, that's really special to us. And it also releases in the UK and New Zealand January or sorry February 22nd. And then we're still waiting on release dates for Japan. And we have more territories coming, says our sales agent, So it's really exciting.
0: Oh, I am so, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you both. I'm excited for more people to see this film. I will have in the episode notes uh, links to where people can find it everywhere. Now, where can people find you and follow you on the social media? Courtney said you're not a big fan of the social media in film, but do you practice it in real life?
1: oh yes we do we use <laughs> uh we have a instagram which is the sinners movie so it's at the sinners movie and then we also have a production account globetrotter underscore pictures and then uh, my personal one is courtney page with two eyes because courtney page was taken and
2: <gasps> yeah and caitlin what's your handle um, mine's Caitlin J. Bernard. So K-A-I-T-L-Y-N-J-B-E-R-N-D.
0: Fantastic. Courtney Page, Caitlin Bernard. It's been a fucking delight. And yes. I am so excited for all of my listeners. Go, go now, because I think that I'm releasing this after the 19th. So go and just do yourself a favor. You're going to think, you're going to feel, you're going to say, what the fuck? <laughs> it's the—it's a perfect film for this historic moment thank you so much
1: thank you so much and thanks for
0: watching uh-huh. yes. I freaking love it alright listeners please like and subscribe if you're so inclined please leave us a review five stars no less they help us find even more listeners you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene the YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me Sabrina Furminger, I'm the only one to blame. And it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane Not Furminger Davile for the original music. Why we Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day.